Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, Hump Day, St. Louis. Great to have you with us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock in the morning. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, good morning. Hi, Randy. <laughs> uh, the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA championship. Congratulations to our friends in Milwaukee. I will say, what a scene in Milwaukee last night. Giannis put on an unbelievably dominant performance, one of the best closeout performances, maybe the best closeout performance we've ever seen in NBA Finals history. And he is the perfect superstar, in my opinion. He goes to Milwaukee. He stays in Milwaukee. He is... As humble as they come, he's just a great story, and I'm so glad that not only he is an NBA champion, but that Milwaukee got to celebrate last night. And that's really the only thing that happened in sports, Randy, that I want to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about your (laughs) Cardinals because I don't know about you guys, Emily and Michelle, but since they were 38-0 and with a lead after the eighth inning, I just went to bed last night. I I had to get up early in the morning to do this show, and I I figured we're up 6-1 to after eight innings. I'm just going to turn the TV off and... I get in this morning and I don't see anything. Everybody just seems to be down after a 6-1 win. I don't get it. I got to tell you. Uh, Alex Reyes, perfect in saves. I mean. Mm-hmm. You missed You missed a lot. You missed a lot. You Randy, missed a lot. Yeah. Randy, I turned the phone. I turned the. Um, I turned the game on to the Bucks game. Mm-hmm. We had the 6-1 lead and that's all I remember. A lot of amnesia this morning in the studio. <laughs> well, let me tell you what I saw because it's seared into my brain and I am not happy this morning. I went to the game last night, Randy. I was there with my dad. It's the first time that my dad got to go back to Bush Stadium since the pandemic. Cardinals, Cubs, it was a perfect night for some baseball. And as we talked about yesterday, a perfect night for the Cardinals to pull a Doug Armstrong, take the knife, jam it into the eye and into the brain of the Cubs and kill them. They were so vulnerable. It just seemed like they were not in in that game that the Cardinals were going to add another win to the win streak, another win that they desperately needed to get Mm -hmm. some momentum against your rival and really put the Cubs away. If they would have beaten the Cubs last night, the conversation today is, when do the Cubs start start peeling these players off? Oh, so we didn't win. No, Randy. An implosion of epic performance. Well proportions. I left the game in the top of the eighth because I wanted to go home and I wanted to watch Milwaukee win. I am a huge fan of Giannis, as I mentioned, and I was like, oh, they got this. As we're leaving, my dad says, you think a five-run lead is safe with this team? And I said, don't worry, Dad. They've got this. They've got momentum. They've got momentum going. And I was so pumped for Johan Oviedo, who so deserved to get the win last night. After everything he's been through, I, I thought he was great last night. He put the Cardinals in 
in a position to win, and they let him down. Oviedo, five innings. He allowed one run on three hits. He only walked one and struck out five and left the game with a 4-1 lead. Cardinals expanded that lead in the bottom of the sixth inning. Tommy Edmond with a home run and then... The Cardinals utility man, Jose Rondon, got an opportunity. The one-two pitch. That's well hit. Into deep left. It is gone. Jose Rondon. So we're feeling pretty good. 6-1. The game into the top of the ninth inning. Patrick Wisdom is struck up by the new pitcher, Luis Garcia. Yadi Molina can't handle it. Wisdom runs down to first base. Nico Horner is the next hitter. Hits a ground ball to shortstop. And Paul DeYoung throws the ball over the head of the first baseman, Paul DeYoung. So you've got a couple of runners on. Now, Luis Garcia is a veteran pitcher, new to the Cardinals, a little rattled. He walks Jake Marisnik. And all of a sudden, we're looking at uh, bases loaded here. This is not good. Alex Reyes comes on for the Cardinals and uh, walks Jose Alcantara. Uh, Wilson Contreras strikes out. So you've got two outs now, and you have a 6-1 uh, lead. Or, uh, I'm sorry, a 6-2 lead because Wisdom had scored on the Alcantara walk. So you're up 6-2. Anthony Rizzo walks. Another run scores. Javi Baez steps to the plate. And a 3-1. Back up the middle, and it gets through. Marisnik coming in. Around the score on his heels there is Alcantara. And it's a one-run game. Okay, it had been a five-run game at the beginning of the inning. Now it's a one-run game. It's Correct. six to five. And you bring a Cardinal killer and friend of the show, Ian Happ, to the plate. 2-2. Two, two. Fair ball inside the bag, down the right field line. Rizzo coming in to score. They're going to send Baez. Here comes Javi, and the Cubs lead it 7-6. Wow! Ian Happ with a huge two-run double, and they score six times here in the ninth. How about those rally caps? They really work. Wow is right, Boog. Wow is right. Wow. It was a, a wow moment. The Cardinals, as we mentioned, had been 38-0 when leading after eight. Alex Reyes had been perfect in his career in save opportunities, 24 for 24. This year, 22 for 22. And, hey, Yachty's been great for the Cardinals for a long time. And that ball got by him to lead off. Paul DeYoung, pretty good defensive player. Garcia, you got to use him at some point when you have a five-run lead. Why not use him? And then you start walking people, which is the nature of the beast with the Cardinals this year. I have to believe that once we got to the fifth inning, Anthony Reyes, or uh, uh, yeah, uh, Alex, Alex Reyes, Reyes is probably sitting down in the bullpen saying, no, oh, I'm not pitching today. I, we got a 6-1 lead. The rest of the guys can handle this. I don't, I don't even have to prepare. I would have to believe that Reyes at some level was disengaged from what his job is because you don't imagine that your the rest of your bullpen is going to blow a five-run lead. That's right, and I can't imagine that Mike Schultz thought that he was going to have to even consider no. using Alex Reyes last night. And in that situation, if if you don't have to 
use him. Well, I wouldn't be thinking if I'm Alex Reyes that I needed to be hot and ready to go. I'm, I'm watching the game just like everybody else thinking, yeah, this is probably a night off for me. And but so, it was not. Oh, Johan Oviedo, terrific, 74 pitches. And after the game, he went five innings. You figure he's got a little bit more left in the tank. Mike Schilt asked why Oviedo was removed. This is a young guy that, you know, we want to make sure we take care of. Let him lead with the lead. We've got a good bullpen. He actually had a little bit of um, something going on with his finger, if you must know. He gave up a hit to Baez. We brought in Cabrera, and um, he threw up a scoreless inning. We got to the ninth with a 6-1 lead. The kid did his job. You know, when a young guy's pitching and pitching well, you know, and you give him an opportunity to, to leave the game with a win. That's the reason for the fans. And that was a question from our own Brandon Kylie, who said the fans want to know why Oviedo was taken out. And then Brandon asked about the ninth inning. Brandon Kylie, 101 ESPN. Yes, sorry, Mike. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I know this is probably something that fans are curious about tonight, with the uh, quick hook there from Oviedo. What did you see there? Uh, what, what made you go to Cabrera in that spot? Fans are asking about a quick hook. Yeah, asking about when you took Oviedo out there, 74 pitches. Um, I know the bases were loaded, but can you describe your thought process there a little bit, fans? Bases weren't loaded, and, and um, this is a young guy that, you know, we want to make sure we take care of. Let him lead with the lead. We've got a good bullpen. He actually had a little bit of um, something going on with his finger, if you must know. He gave up a hit to Baez. We brought in Cabrera, and um, he threw up a scoreless inning. We got to the ninth with a 6-1 lead. The kid did his job. You know, when a young guy's pitching and pitching well, you know, and you give him an opportunity to, to leave the game with a win. That's the reason for the fans. Uh, final question for you. Sorry about that, Mike. Um, it, going to Garcia in the ninth inning, uh, can you give us your thought process going to him there? It's a six to one lead in the ninth. Who would you want to go to? I know the options are limited there. Um, no, you Reyes tell me. Who or- would you go to? You gonna throw your closer up five runs? Uh, given the situation, I, I would have considered Reyes or Gallegos in that spot. But well, I, you know what? It's then not my job. it's not your job. We had a five-run lead. That's a different situation. You know, I can't pitch those guys every night. We got a five-run lead in the ninth. Other guys have to pick. There's a reason. There's a three-run save. We brought Alex in with with some cushion. Didn't happen. You can second guess it all you want. It's the right move. It didn't work out. If you want to pitch those guys every night, we won't have anybody left come September. That's how the baseball works. You can't pitch guys the same guys every time you got a lead. It does not work. But you're welcome to your opinion. All right. Thank you, everyone. And that ended the press conference. And Mike Schilt, people want to see a little bit of anger, a little frustration on the part of Mike Schilt. There you go. I think that might have been a little bit of misdirected anger at Brandon <laughs> Kylie. I don't blame Schilper for being furious after that game. Um, now, the Oviedo thing, if he was dealing with something with his finger, and I, I understand Mike Schilt's thought process there. You really want him to get the win. You want him to leave in a comfortable position, and you have confidence in your bullpen in that moment. I, ha- I didn't think that – I'm sure watching the game, a lot of people were wondering – based on what you saw out of him, if he had more left in the tank. But I understand after hearing Mike Schilt there, the thought process behind that move. Yeah, I I don't have any trouble with taking out uh, Johan Oviedo. I do wonder 
based on what he has seen from Luis Garcia. Garcia hasn't done anything for the Cardinals. He hasn't done one positive thing for the Cardinals. Now, granted, yes, you do have to pitch somebody when you have a, a five or six five run lead, six one lead. Yeah, you do have to pitch somebody. But let me get to Luis Garcia here. He, I don't know. I'm with BK here. I don't know if that's the play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would much rather see a guy like, oh, Andrew Miller sure. in that situation. I, I think I, Gallegos has not seen a lot of time lately. you got a couple of off days. Co- granted, you're playing the Cubs here. You've got some off days coming up next week. But Luis Garcia for the Cardinals this year had pitched in three games. His earned run average is 54. He'd thrown an inning and given up six runs. Well, that was before last night, but he I'll go to his game log. His the Luis Garcia game log is with the Cardinals here over the course of the last uh, couple of days. Uh, Pitched in Chicago, two thirds of an inning, allowed a run pitched against the Giants, pitched a third of an inning, allowed two earned runs. So you're you're playing with fire when you bring Luis Garcia into a game. Doesn't matter when you bring him into a game, you're playing with fire. And yes, you can't pitch everybody every day, but you do have an eight-man bullpen. Come on, Mike. But as far as Reyes goes, if he would have used Reyes in that spot, I think a lot of people would have complained about that too. You don't start the inning. You, you only use Alex Reyes in save situations. You don't start the ninth inning with Alex Reyes. And he had pitched a lot lately. You don't start the ninth inning with him with a uh, Five run lead. You just don't. But I, I can give you some other guys that, uh, I mean, John Gant. Also, sure, you could have gone with a different guy. But how, how about what happened with Paul DeYoung and Yachty? I yeah. mean, it, it oh, was it was that, not just a Garcia that, that thing. Was a, that was a team loss. This was a, this was a team loss. Yeah, a team disaster. A team disaster is a good way to put it. Yeah. So I, I understand why Mike Schultz might have thought to use him in that moment because we're going to have to use some of these other guys sometime. And maybe they felt really confident heading into that situation. But I don't want to sit here today and pretend like it was all on that one move and all on Garcia. Yeah. That's, no, it, it it wasn't. It just wasn't. If you're going to bring in a guy with a five-run lead, I, and he had used already Cabrera, Helsley, uh, Justin Miller so before that, and then obviously Gallegos later. Uh, to me, Luis Garcia is here when you're losing 5-1, to one, not in the ninth, not when you're winning 5-1. to one in Just the an arm to put out there. Yep. Coming up on 101 ESPN, you can get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. A little stressed, maybe? A little upset this morning? Well, I'll try to calm things down for you. It's time for Ask Uncle Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> a little frustration about the Cardinals and we'd love to hear your mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. If you want to vent a little bit, feel free to do so. We're going to be allowing you to vent about the Cardinals throughout the course of the morning and if you'd like to text us, you can. The Air Comfort Service text line is 65780. Michelle, what are you thinking? Don't you think, Randy, that this is kind of the trust tree? We're all in the the feeling circle maybe is a better Mm -hmm. way to put it. You can let it out today because I got to tell you, 
I left that game in the top of the eighth inning, and I was feeling great. Did we think this team was a World Series contender? Not likely. Did we think this team was a playoff team? Again, a lot of people, not likely. But they did have a vibe about them entering the second half. They looked really strong against the Giants, take two of three. They take the first game versus the Cubs. And it felt like they could at least go on a run and make this entertaining. And then yesterday, how, I forget who it was. Someone texted in and said, this is a game that the Cardinals need to go Doug Armstrong style. Take the knife, jam it into You need the, to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them. Thank you. This is exactly what the Cardinals needed to do. They need to sh- exert a little dominance against their rival who clearly are flailing and are really vulnerable and precarious position. And they, they need a win. The Cardinals need to go on a bit of a run here. So for them to lose that game in the manner in which they did, it feels like they took the knife and instead of jamming it into the eye of the Cubs, they applied one big, huge self-inflicted wound to themselves. And I'm getting, we're getting a lot of texts on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, excuse me, saying that that loss last night was the end of the season. I think fans are, are ready to give up. Um, not great. No. And, hey, it, we all have our watershed moments for a season. And I've said pretty consistently, I don't think the starting pitching was good enough for this team to go on a run. But last night is a devastating loss because the bullpen has been the good thing about the Cardinals. They've been really good in the late innings about preserving victories. And last night... The one thing that you have been able to count on for the Cardinals didn't occur. When the Cardinals this year have led going into the ninth inning, their record had been 38-0. and 0, And obviously Alex Reyes is a huge part of that. Uh, when they're leading after seven innings, their record had been 37-2 and 2 heading into the eighth. So that is a rare occurrence for the Cardinals, and especially when it's a, a lead that big. So what are we getting from the text line? From the 314, I can't get the mic drop feature to work, but for those out there, please let us leave us a mic drop. We want yeah. to hear from you today. But I will say nights like last night are exactly why I am not invested in sports like I used to be. I'm a family man. I just can't put the time or money into things that could blow up that quickly. My emotional state isn't there, although it's really tarnished this morning. To me, that's what makes sports great is that you can be so high one moment and then reach the depths of despair the next. And if you were really invested in the Cardinals and you thought they had a chance to do something this year, and then you see last night happen, that is a devastating emotional blow to a fan. And to the team. Yeah. Uh, you, you're feeling really good last night. I was writing notes in my phone, Randy, during the game, and I wanted to talk about Johan Oviedo's first mm-hmm. win. I had a note about Harrison Bader, who's been really coming on for the Cardinals. I had a note about the end. Is this the end of the Cubs? Did we, did the Cardinals just put away the Cubs dynasty as we know it, right? All of these notes. And then in, in the drive home and one minute of NBA action, it all unravels. And by the way, it was painful to watch Johan Oviedo as it did unravel. Here's a guy that's going to get his first major league win, turned in his best performance as a major league pitcher. And then watching that, fall apart bit by bit. It, it was just so devastating to watch him feel the what was happening and, and know 
oh, man, we're walking guys again. This is what's going to happen. And especially, as we heard Mike Schilt mention in the post game, this is a young guy that you want to take out mm-hmm. in a spot after he's done his job, if he was dealing with a, a bit of issue with his finger, and have him have confidence. You know, this is this is something we've talked about, the the tough road that he's had to get here. And at he's thrown into this situation. And so to think that last night he did his job, getting the win would have been such a big feather in his cap. And then to watch it all unravel, even though he knows it's by no fault of his own, right. it's still devastating. From the 636, Mike Schultz started the bullpen cluster when he took Kim out after 80 pitches three days ago. He needs to look in the mirror. The season was lost last night. That's from Cottleville Chris. The problem, and hey, the season was lost a long time ago. The season was lost in June. Let's be honest about that. Oh, you mean the stretch where they should have been feasting on teams like the Rockies yeah, and yeah. the Tigers and the Pirates? Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is not a really good baseball team. And last night, here's the thing. Do you, Mike Schilt has a choice. He's got guys that are capable of going 100 pitches, Adam Wainwright. He's got a guy capable of going 100 pitches. If you're going to try to throw Wade LeBlanc and K.K. Kim and at this stage of his career, Johan Oviedo, and at this stage of his career, Jake Woodford, if you're going to try to throw them 100 pitches, then you can pitch Luis Garcia without any fear of repercussion from the fans because you'll be down 5-1. to K.K. Kim is not a horse. Johan Oviedo might be at some point, but he's not now. And he's clearly fragile. We, we've seen things spiral down for uh, for Johan Oviedo. I have no problem with the way he handled the bullpen last night either, except for using Garcia in the ninth inning. Garcia is your last guy in the bullpen. And I, I told you during the break, Obviously, Miller had thrown 14 pitches the night before. Before that, the last time he pitched was the 9th of July, 10 days ago. Mm -hmm. If you can't go with Andrew Miller on back-to-back nights, a a left-hander like that, and he threw 14 pitches the night before, if you can't count on Andrew Miller, then you've got problems. I know you can't count on Garcia, but if you can't count on Andrew Miller in that situation, then you aren't ever going to make the playoffs anyway. Do you think if they feel like they can't count on him that they don't want to expose him in that situation because they're trying to move him? That's a possibility, I guess. But it costs you a win. And hey, an important one. By the way, Garcia, hey, all due respect to Yachty, who's been great for a long time. He's a Hall of Famer. But Yachty has to handle that pitch. Mm -hmm. And Paul DeYoung has been, by the metrics, nice defensive shortstop. He's got to make the throw. Got to make it. That's one of the things. Yes. It reflects on Luis Garcia's record, but it wasn't Luis Garcia's fault. He should have had two outs, and he had none, and he had runners, two runners on base. To your point, gosh, the texts are coming in so fast. We're going to try to get it to as many as we can from the 314. And we'll keep this going in the next segment. Yeah, yes. We understand that this is the feeling circle today. We're yeah. just letting it out. I think that this is a microcosm of a lot of things this entire mm-hmm. season. But to lose the game like you did last night to the Cubs in a position where you had them and you needed it, it it stings today. It really yeah. stings, I got to tell you. So from the 314, Yachty has had more bad games this season than he's had his entire career. I'm kind of shocked. Well, he's 39, right? He's going to be 39 this month. It, we shouldn't be shocked because what is it? What, what's that one loss record for Father Time? I think he's undefeated. Yeah. Let me check the stat book here. Yeah, yeah. undefeated. And 
Yachty is playing a different game right now. There's a lot of times where Cardinal pitchers will be 0-2, 1-2, and he'll set up a foot outside, try to get the slider, and the hitter, if he's peaking at all, knows that it's going to be a slider that's a foot outside, so he's not going to swing at it. Now, some guys you're able to get with that, very few, but yeah, Yachty has not, he's not what he used to be. He's not what he was five years or ten years ago defensively. Happens to everybody. Happened to Johnny Bench. They put him at first base. <laughs> Father time is yeah. undefeated. From the 757, the most accurate thing you guys said this morning, this is not a good baseball team. This should be the organization's number one concern. They shouldn't be worried about a pitcher getting a statistic, a.k.a. Oviedo getting a win. They're not good. This organization is a disaster. It's time to purge. It's time to reset. It's time to rebuild. I, I will respectfully disagree with that. We do get 60 cent drinks tonight, today, okay? Uh, you, you are now. Do they need work? Yes. Do they need better relief pitching? Yes. Do they need an innings eating starter? Yes. Do they need a healthy Jack Flaherty? Yes. There's a lot of things that they need. But are you going to find, and yes, you can go out and try to sign an outfielder, but are are, are you going to find a group right now where, and maybe you get Joey Gallo and put him in right field. So do you have Carlson, Bader, and Gallo? Okay, that's the guy Greg Amzinger wants. I, I have no problem with that, going and getting that guy. Cardinals will need an innings-eating starting pitcher. Next yeah. year, and let's just cross this year off the books. So next year, you go in that with that Mr. X that is, and I'll find Mr. X. Player X? Yeah, as a free agent. Yeah, play, from Remember ESPN that, the Magazine. I used yeah. to love Player X, so I, Player I want, X, all right. I, I want a guy that, last year aside, because they only played the 60-game schedule, has thrown 190 innings in his last four full seasons. I want a guy that is reliable, okay? So next year I go in with, and if it's Jake Westbrook, if it's Jeff Supon, fine. And if I go into next year with... I'm I'm assuming kind of that Wayno is not going to come back next year. So next year I've got Flaherty, Hudson, Mr. X, KK, maybe Michaelis, maybe uh, Matthew Libertor. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you bring KK back. At, so, okay, so that that's going to be my starting rotation. I, I need to get a couple of more bullpen arms. And I need to have a leadoff hitter that plays on the middle infield. I know people say, well, why'd you get rid of Colton Wong? Because they have a budget, and the reason they let Wong go is because your choice was financially Mm -hmm. within the budget that you have, okay, because it's a a budget, just like any company. I would love to be paid a million dollars. They aren't going to pay me a million dollars. I know our company makes a lot of money, but they aren't going to. Riz makes a million dollars. They aren't paying me a million dollars. You deserve a million dollars, Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll tell you that. But our budget is tight. And, and we go into meetings every week saying, I can't do that because of a budget, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Every week. So the Cardinals have a budget. So your choice, you could have uh, Colton Wong and another player that made maybe $10 million, or you could have Nolan Arenado. And even though Nolan Arenado has not been very good since the first 50 games of the season offensively, he's been great defensively, but I would... Every single day of the week, 365 days a year. If you give me the choice between Nolan Arenado and Colton Wong, I'm taking Nolan Arenado. And if the Cardinals didn't make that decision, can you imagine the reaction from the fan base? 
Yeah. It, 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 it does if you have Colton Wong right now and Matt Carpenter is playing third base for you, are a whole are you a whole lot better off? No. And you can say, well, the Cardinals have a lot of money. They're making a lot of money. They're one of the most profitable teams. Sure, you can say that, but it's their business. It's not ours. We we don't get to determine how much money they spend. Now, you were at the game last night and saw the empty seats. Maybe you are determining how uh, what they spend and what they do. It was kind of shocking to me, Randy. I knew that it hadn't been full capacity, even though full capacity is available to Cardinals fans. But it was a perfect, perfect summer night. There was a bit of a breeze. It was a little bit warm. The Cardinals had just won the first game of the series against the Cubs. Cardinals-Cubs on a Tuesday night in the summertime in July. And huge, huge pockets of empty seats. And it was that way on Sunday, too, uh, sections with uh, three or four people. And that's got to be alarming for the Cardinals for one reason or another. Have they gotten out of the habit, as Dan McLaughlin has suggested, of buying tickets? Have people gotten out of the habit of buying tickets? Do they not like this product? Are they afraid of downtown St. Louis? Are they afraid of being infected with the panda- uh, with the coronavirus? There's got to be a reason for it, but whatever it is, they need to figure it out because... When your crowds look like Kansas City, pretty soon your team will look like Kansas City. Yeah, it was it was shocking for me to yeah. see. And I've been to a few games and had seen the crowd look like that. But for Cardinals-Cubs, which is normally a, you can't get that type of a, a ticket mm-hmm. situation, it was a bit alarming to me. More of your text. We've got some mic drops coming up. The mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. All you need to do is use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature right there on the, I think it's on the front page of your app, and you can leave us up to a 30-second message and more of your texts about this disastrous Cardinal loss next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> told you about the 7-6 Cardinal loss last night. 6-1 lead for the Redbirds heading into the top of the ninth inning and they blew it and they fell by a score of 7-6. Michelle and Randy with you on 101 ESPN. A lot of things to talk about. This has opened up kind of a Pandora's box of things that are popping out, Michelle, in regards to the manager, the crowds, why people don't want to go. Oh yeah. And one of the things that uh, I, I think we should note here. We were talking during the break about managers. And, oh, by the way, Tony LaRusso's White Sox have a nine-and-a-half game lead in the American League Central. That's the biggest lead of any team in all of baseball within a division. And Tony is allowed to manage his team. All right? The front office isn't coming down with a lineup and saying, okay, here's what you're going to do tonight. Uh, here, we want you to play this way. We don't want you to steal bases. We don't want you to hit and run. Most analytically driven teams are that way. We saw Moneyball. That's the way the A's have done it under Billy Bean with a high level of success. But I do think that maybe part of the frustration that Mike Shield has is that he's not really the manager. The front office is the manager. And they're giving him guideposts, probably. I'm not saying this definitively, but likely. Guideposts don't run, don't hit and run because of our precious 27 outs. We only have 27 of them. Don't take a chance with them. Here's the lineup that you want to go with, whether it makes a whole lot of sense or not. I I have to believe that a lot of managers in Major League Baseball have the title, but not really the power to be the manager. 
And it's not like if that is the case that Mike Schilt can just pull a I'm the captain now type deal. He can't really do that. I think his predecessor tried that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, But sometimes you kind of wish he wouldn't have tried that, his predecessor. But I think fans miss the energy of Tony La Russa having his foot on the gas at all times. Mm -hmm. Even if you disagreed with a move that Tony made, you, you could get mad at him, but you knew deep down he was trying at all costs to win the game, that he wanted to win more than anybody out there, and that he was going to do whatever it took and sacrifice whatever it took or push his players in whatever way that it took to get the outcome and so that he could have the W next to the Cardinals at 1030. And I think that that applied to moves made by the front office. Tony would put heat on the front office to go out and make moves, whereas I feel like sometimes fans might think that this team just tries to not lose games or that the front office doesn't push for a World Series contenders. They just push for a playoff contender. There has been a a bit of a loss of that identity that the Cardinals had for so long when they had Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan. And we saw Mike Schilt get fiery last night, and we, we don't see it all the time. We see it in pockets whenever he lets his guard down a bit. We know that it's there. And... He's, he's taking a lot of heat today on the text line, and we're going to get to that in a second. But I wonder if fans would think differently of him if he showed that so, that side of himself all the time, the way Tony La Russa did. Tony La Russa's post-game press conferences many times drew better ratings than the game themselves did. So there's absolutely something to be said, and I think that's going back to ticket sales. That's part of it, too. People would buy tickets to watch a Whitey Herzog team. People would buy tickets to watch a Tony La Russa team. I don't know that they're watching tickets to wa- buying tickets to watch this particular style of play. Michelle, we've got a couple of uh, Rhino Shield mic drops. Let's hear from John here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. Well, no, it's not a good morning. This loss last night will stick in the minds of Cardinal fans like the Ryan Sandberg game. Six to one over the Cubs in the ninth and lose the game. Well, have a good day. <laughs> you too. The Ryan Sandberg game was that was two home runs against Bruce Souter. I'm not gonna compare all due respect what happened last night to the Sandberg game. But I I know what you're saying. Well this one will stick in our minds though, like the Sandberg game, because it was against the Cubs. You had a chance to go over five hundred. And everything that could go wrong, it was Murphy's Law last night. Everything that could go wrong in that ninth inning did go wrong. Boy, did it ever. From the 309, Randy, this team is absolutely painful to watch, really painful, especially the walks, the hitting ineptitude, and the limited, quote, productive outs. I do wonder when you look at the offense and you look at the, the walks, somebody. With every single pitcher walking as many guys, not every single pitcher, I shouldn't say that, but so many pitchers walking so many people. And I know they've got a lot of young pitchers, too. Why is that happening? It, it's alarming. Yeah. It, and the Cardinals does, does, lead the lead in walks. Does, does Mike Maddox get a pass with all the walks that are occurring? I don't know how that works. I don't know how he could help them not throw walks. I, I don't know philosophically. I know that one of the things that we talked about is Yachty setting up outside so that they can throw balls on 0-2 and 1-2 counts and all of a sudden it turn into 3-2 counts. But I don't know how you get a group of pitchers to throw more strikes and less balls. I just don't. 
I don't either. But if we're going to give Jeff Albert as much heat as we give him when the offense mm-hmm. is failing, then I think that we need to have that conversation about why why are the walks so out of control? Yeah, I, that'd be an interesting question to try to get answered. But don't don't you think it's kind of interesting that we haven't brought Mike Maddox's yeah, name up in the same way that we bring Jeff Albert's name up? Yeah. And maybe it's because we, we like him and so many players talk about how much they like him and what a great pitching coach he is. But the walks are a big, big problem. And he has been a pitching coach in the World Series. He's, he's overseen good staffs before. But as Mo says, this is the modern game. And maybe... Things aren't the same for him as they were when he was the Brewers or Nationals or Rangers pitching coach. From the 314, why aren't you guys hammering Mike Schilt? If Mike Matheny was the manager and the team lost the game this way last night, he would be crucified. That's true. And here's my thing with Mike Schilt. And as he said to BK, Aside from the move of bringing in Garcia, and really, it's you, you have the choice between bringing Garcia, which I didn't like, hindsight 2020, I will admit. It was Garcia, Gant, or Miller. You, you certainly don't start that inning with Reyes. And, oh, by the way, if Yachty holds on to a strike and DeYoung makes a throw. I don't know what Schultz is supposed to do about that. We aren't having this discussion. If Garcia gets the first two outs because two of your veteran players make plays, then we don't even have this conversation. I don't know why Mike Schilt, aside from what he said in the postgame press conference, I don't know why he should be hammered today. Right? It, uh, that Bringing in Garcia certainly opened a question because of what he had done. But again, Garcia did his job. Yachty and Paul DeYoung. Yeah. A lot of people have been texting him about uh, texting in about them. This was not just a Garcia issue. This was not just an Alex Reyes issue. This was a, a lot of things going wrong at once. And I have to believe the, that a guy like Garcia, yes, he's been around the block, but there are a lot of pitchers that don't have the the mental wall put up so that they can put those two plays between them. And the next hitter. And he walks the next guy. I can see how a pitcher would be rattled after those two plays when you should have had two outs and all of a sudden you've got none. I can totally see that. And maybe that's what happened to Garcia. And Mike Schilt is also limited at that point, regardless of how they got to that point. The guy's got to face three hitters. And so, again, I would love to have an answer for you as to why we're not hammering Mike Schilt. But I don't think that Mike... Do I think he's a great manager? No. But do is it his is last night his fault? No. Was Mike Schilt the one that didn't block the ball? Was Mike Schilt the right. one that made the error? No. So from the 314, the Cardinals went from a hard nine to an economical nine. This is not <laughs> Cardinals baseball. No, it's certainly not a hard nine. It's certainly what what we saw last night was not clean at baseball. And for those of us that have experienced tons of winning over the last 40 years, it is frustrating. From the 815, the pitching staff is injured and guys are pitching in situations they shouldn't be. Mike Maddox isn't the problem. Offense has been. Guys come here and they struggle and then they leave and they're great under Jeff Albert's watch. John Nagoski, I think he hit a home run last night, Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, that, that's been a, a, a big issue. But, hey, everybody in baseball has pitching injuries. And 
Nobody else is leading the league in walks or leading baseball in walks like the Cardinals are. Yeah, and I think their their lead is pretty substantial, too. We need to look that up. Yep, That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we do appreciate your text. We'll get a uh, quick take it or leave it in next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you on the heels of a devastating loss by the St. Louis Cardinals last night. Up 6-1, heading into the ninth. Michelle was there. Left early thinking, oh, I'm confident. This is great. We're going to be fine. And by the way, for all of you people texting in saying this is my fault because I left the game early and I, you should never leave games early, mm-hmm. I'll own part of that. I get that. Okay. But I wanted to watch the Bucks win the title. And I thought, I thought just like everybody else in that ballpark, that the Cardinals were safe. I thought they had a comfortable leave. I wanted to beat the traffic. Mm-hmm. I have to get up super early. I was riding high on what I thought was going to be another Cardinal victory. And my first game back with my dad since a global pandemic versus the Cubs, a beautiful St. Louis summer night. I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking clearly. I was riding high. Okay, Michelle, that leads me into my take it or leave it. Take it or leave it, Cardinal fans are more ticked off this morning than Phoenix Suns fans who had a two games to none lead and lost four straight to the Bucks in the NBA Finals. I'm going to take that because I think Suns fans had mentally prepared themselves for the fact that they were going to lose the NBA mm-hmm. title. And Cardinals fans had it ripped from underneath them. There was no warning about what was about to happen. Yeah. It just happened in the blink of it. I'm telling you, it took me a 15-minute drive home and one minute of NBA basketball for this whole thing to unravel. My phone kept vibrating. I looked down, and it was the score alerts from ESPN. I was like, what? Are you serious? I had to switch over. I couldn't believe it. It happened so quickly. It escalated in a hurry. It sure did. But take it or leave it, Randy. Cardinals beat the Cubs tonight. Wayno's on the mound, of course. Yes. That's going to happen. Wayno pitches great at home, and he loves pitching against the Cubs. Although we did have a home opener one time where he didn't pitch great against the Cubs. But tonight, especially with what happened last night, yes, that'll be the case. And by the way, we're going to hear from Wayno at 845, and we recorded it yesterday because he's pitching today. So we are going to be able to ask about this <laughs> devastating loss. We want you to know that ahead of time. I think at one point in the interview, I say we're taping this on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. You guys just beat the Cubs last night. So at least I gave that sort of a, yeah. a preface with the question. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a considerably uplifting tone, our conversation with Adam White, right? yeah. <laughs> because they had just won three out of four. Won three out of four. It was a we felt good. We, we felt good no, yesterday no, when we were talking no. to Wayne. All right, your text 65780. Emily, what do you got? From the 573, take it or leave it. The Cardinals re signed Carlos to a one year deal next leave year. Leave it. Leave it. Yeah. He's I got didn't a... even get to finish. Wait, oh, leave it. Okay. Whether it be as a starter if we need him or use him in the bullpen if we go get another starter. Yeah. He's got a $17.5 million option, and the Cardinals are not going to pick that up, and they aren't going to. They better not bring him back. I love that we didn't even let her finish before we both yelled, leave <laughs> <No>. it, <laughs> leave it, no. For the record, I would I would have left it too. <laughs> From the 314, take it or leave it, Wainwright will strike out at least six batters tonight. I'll take that. I'll definitely take that. An angry Adam Wainwright. Yeah. Whenever the Cardinals are in a tough spot and they need a little boost, a little pick-me-up, Adam Wainwright's the guy to do it. I guarantee you there's a team text that if it hasn't gone out this already this morning, it'll go out by 10 o'clock. From yeah. Adam Wainwright to the team saying, hey, we're going to bounce back tonight. I 
Jump we, on my shoulders. We know his routine a little bit. He wakes up early. Sometimes he goes out. He gets his wife, his kids, some coffee. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that Wayno is up early today. He's yeah. made the coffee run, and the text has been sent. From the 636, it's National Hot Dog Day. Take it or leave it. Unlike Chicago pizza, Chicago dogs are fantastic. Take that. I'm going to leave it because I think Chicago pizza is fantastic. So I'm I'm taking both. I think Chicago pizza and Chicago dogs. And we do a pretty good job of Chicago dogs here in St. Louis, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would uh, would take that Chicago dogs are fantastic. I'm going to take all of it. I think deep dish pizza is trash. And I think Chicago dogs are outstanding. Oh, by the way, one other note that we need to pass along here. Because you get the best information from Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Always. Take it or leave it, you cannot make a Chicago dog at home that's as good as a Chicago dog restaurant. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. You cannot make a Chicago dog at home that's the equivalent of Woofie's, for example. Yeah, no way. Um, I don't even know why. Because you could get all the accoutrements. You can mm-hmm. grill the, the hot dog, the bun, whatever you need to. But I think it's just something about having a hot dog at a ballpark or getting it at a place like the Wiener Circle Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And maybe it's because it's a portable food. So you get it when you're at a place and you like to eat it as you as you move about. Whereas at home, you're going to eat it, probably sit at a table in your backyard. It just doesn't hit the same. One of these days when we are done here. We're going to have to make our way over to Woofie's, where there's a photo of a very, very, very young Randy Carricker <gasps> after winning a Woofie's hot dog eating contest over there. I didn't know that you moonlighted as Joey Chestnut. How many did you get? Oh, I was young, and these were the biggest ones. They were the, the big daddies, I believe. Big daddies? what they were called Whoa. at Woofie's. And I, I think I did six and a half an hour or something like that. What a huge trophy. Do you still have the trophy? No, it's gone. Oh, how yeah. could you give away that? It was, You've earned that. It took up space, and it was. I think I might have even gotten rid of it at the old house. See, this is something I would have liked to have. A trophy that you won eating the Big Daddies in a hot dog eating contest. That's something that I would have taken from you and displayed <laughs> in my house. It was a tall trophy. I was kind of proud of that achievement. You should be. That's awesome. I just lost it because we're getting so many texts about the Cardinals. People are <laughs> mad to... You know, I, to the people... I woke up angry today, and I never wake up angry. Nine, 9.75 times I wake up on the right side of the bed because I'm happy to be alive and happy to work with you guys. I, I think I have a great life. Today I woke up, and I was fuming. That loss, it really did it. If, you, if it made me wake up on the wrong side of the bed, today we're letting it out because I can only imagine how angry other people are. That's just so sad. I think we just need to... Sunshine, no, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything no. that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Can you give one thing that's in a sunshine lollipops vein from last night? Johan Oviedo was terrific. The Cardinals hit three home runs. Tommy Edmond hit a home run. Rondone his first home run as that's the Cardinals. Hey, like you said. But they lost. It, it, it was two and Two hours and 45 minutes of greatness and yeah. then 15 minutes of bad. So, yeah, there's a lot of sunshine lollipops out of last night. But you know what stinks is that that 245 of greatness is erased. It's wiped away. See, I don't think that Mike Schilt's looking at it that way. Well, I'm looking at the score sheet and I'm looking at the outcome. So. Okay, Tony. I'm just telling you. Yeah. Can you imagine when you ask oh. Tony, how are you doing? He asked me at 1030. If we would have asked him at 1030 last night, yikes. Wow. Big time yikes. Yeah.
Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. So the Cardinals do fall to the Cubs 7-6. to six. <laughs> And we want you to, to vent. We know there's a lot of emotion in St. Louis today. And we are going to allow you to express that emotion to us. We're, we're going to take the brunt of your emotion this morning on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Two, two. Fair ball inside the bag, down the right field line. Rizzo coming in to score. They're going to send Baez. Here comes Javi, and the Cubs lead it 7-6. Wow! Ian Happ with a huge two-run double, and they score six times here in the ninth. How about those rally caps? They really work. <laughs> 806 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Character and Smallman. Mm-hmm. Text 65780. Need a fighter for 830. Text in the word fight to 65780 if you would like to fight at 830. We should note, by the way, Michelle, a little more sunshine lollipops. Giovanni Gallegos came on and got the final two outs. Clean. No problem at all. So thank you, Gio. We're reaching today. As you can yeah. t- hear from the, the tone there, it's a somber day in St. Louis. Yeah. It's, uh, we, we've got that, uh, that. Here it is. Here it is. Listen to this. Let this dulcet piano tone, just let the feelings pour out today. This, yeah. is, this is the feeling circle on character and Smallman. <laughs> we probably should have come in with. Megadeth or something because people are raging rather than <laughs> sweet piano. But it tunes. is kind of a funeral too, right? And this has a funeral feel, so we'll we'll allow you to rage or just be depressed. Six five seven eight zero. The Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is up and running. And as a matter of fact, we have heard from Clint, who has delivered a Rhino Shield mic drop to one hundred and one ESPN. Hey, Randy and Michelle. The reason I believe the fans are not showing up to the Cardinals-Cubs game, look at your product. There's, It's not even close to what even, like, what we had, the, the magic that we had, like, back in 2011, uh, 2012. I, would, I guess I'd go back to 2013. There's no magic with this team. There's a bunch of young guys on here that are just – they're taking everything for granted and that they the fans see it it's like why are we going to watch something that's a 200 batting average for the last two and a half three seasons our pitching's mediocre let me throw a couple of things number one the franchise john mosaic on record is saying we don't evaluate players by batting average so all of us that grew up saying oh there was a time when I was a kid mm-hmm. the Cardinals weren't great, but it was cool that they had five of the top 10 hitters in the national league, according to batting average, yeah. as we've talked about, you yeah. can't drive in runs from second base no, with a walk. That's right. you, you need a hit. But my guess, Michelle, and nobody's told me this. My guess is that they have no problem with Paul DeYoung having a 200 batting average. If he's going to hit 30 home runs, mm. that's just the way it seems to be. Now, in terms of the magic Part of the magic was having magical players. And when you have Chris Carpenter calling a meeting at his luxurious house in Frontenac 
bringing every single player to his house and saying, hey, we're ten and a half games out. We probably aren't going to win this thing, but let's not embarrass ourselves and let's provide a product that our fans can be proud of because they're spending a lot of money to come out and watch us play. Who on this team, Adam Wainwright, I guess, is the guy, right? Oh, he is the guy. The, that would be the guy. He and Yachty side by side. But that team, remember, had Freeze, Furcal, Skip Schumacher, Albert Pujols, Matt Holiday, John Jay, Lance Berkman, the, Yachty. Who on this team, when that meeting is held, listens and says, you know what? He's right. I don't. I want to reward the fans because they're coming out to watch us play. Oh, see, I I feel like that team certainly has that. This team certainly has that. That they have that. In this scenario, the holiday Albert Pujols. So now, stick with me here. You've got Arenado Goldie, who yes, no one is ever going to be Albert Pujols in that scenario. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that you have two established guys who are stars in this league, who are certainly leaders on this team. Have they been with? The Cardinals, as long as a Wayne Oriati or carry that sort of cachet in that room, no. But they're the second line of defense, and they certainly will stand up and say, we're not going down without a fight. You think Nolan Arenado, who when he strikes out or has a bad play, is slamming his bat on the ground, is going to roll over without a fight? I can tell you he's not. But are there 25 of those guys? I was thinking last night when everything was going great, Randy, and I had my rose-colored glasses on and I was enjoying myself before everything just completely unraveled. I was looking at this team and I was thinking that there are so many exciting young guys on this team. There's so much potential. Tyler O'Neill is exciting. You mean to tell me that a Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill can't be an Alan Craig, John Jay? We didn't expect it out of them then. But the and game they, has changed, Michelle. And they had the magic. Those guys... And they're doing what baseball is now. I'm not blaming them at all. They're playing for themselves. They aren't playing for fans. They aren't playing to hit a ball the other way so that you can move a runner from second to third with less than two out. Harrison Bader did the other day. All the credit in the world. Yeah, he plays with a ton of joy. But these guys, they have no problem with striking out with a runner at second and nobody out. But... I don't think that's because they're playing for themselves. I think that's because of what they're being told to do. That's what baseball is that's now. That's what they're, they're instructed to do. My dad and I were talking about this last night. My dad was like, you know, when I was growing up, guys didn't strike out. It was embarrassing yep. if you strike out. And now guys couldn't care less if they strike out. No. He's like, when the shift is on, he goes, you feel the same way. It drives me crazy, my dad was saying, when you don't bunt it down the third baseline. But now guys only care about launch angle and hard hit rate and things like that. The game has changed. So I don't think it's that players have an individual mindset or they're playing for themselves. I think they're... They're malleable, and they're being coached to do this. So I, I, we go back to the original point then. Adam Wainwright invites all the players out to his house and says, let's just play good ball. And are the Cardinals capable of playing good ball? Yes, they are. Yeah. But are they going to take it upon themselves to be a unit so that they can find a way to win? You know who's playing as a unit? Chicago White Sox are playing as a unit. Yeah, they are. So it's not like it can't be done in baseball, but... It's part of, like you said, the baseball analytics culture that promotes self-success uh, rather than team success. If this is the feeling circle, I need to let something out. You know what I want? I want the team meeting. I want us to all go to Wayno's house. Maybe it's catered. Maybe there's some grace meat and three, some yeah, barbecue in the mix, some sides. Um 
and I want the at the team meeting for the guys to go outside because you know Adam Wainwright's got a lot of land on his property. Yeah. This is a, a Georgia boy. He's got he's got some backyard. Sure. And I want them to take the laptops and all of the technology, maybe the the iPads with the video, and I want it to be office space style where they all take their turn in a circle and they slam it down, they stomp on it. Instead of death to auto-tune, we're death to analytics, okay? That's what they need to do. And it's not going to happen because of the the curriculum that is happening within the organization. But to your point about them just going out and throwing out all of this stuff and just having instincts and playing with good baseball, if in this hypothetical team meeting scenario, that's how I want the unit to come together. Is I want yeah. them to office space style, say death to technology. To old school. <laughs> and one quick note before we get back to a few more of your texts. Remember Dave Duncan was going to be on Mike Matheny's initial staff? I remember. Dave Duncan walks into the meeting with the rest of the coaching staff, and he and Okendo are the only guys there that don't have laptops. And Dunk says, remember Dunk's notebooks? He says, yeah, this this isn't for me. So he retired because of the advent, and he could see it coming 10 years ago, the advent of the overabundance of numbers and the lack of just baseball. The math fans rather than the baseball fans. I yearn for the Dave Duncan notebooks. I I yearn for the Dave Duncan reclamation projects. All right. What else do we have? All right. Uh, uh, People are kind of down on Shilty and Yachty here. They are. Let me find some of those for you. All right. From the. Oh, gosh, there's so many. Hang on one second. Here's one from Yachty from the 573. I believe that Yachty's foot is still a problem. It's limiting his mobility. I think he should take a day off, and the manager should be the one to do that. Well, I'll go a step further. I think the organization should put him on the IL and say, look, your your foot's been bothering you since before the break. You missed the All-Star game because of this foot. Take 10 days off and come back when your foot's feeling better. And I'm not going to tell Yachty this, but I want to... John Moselleck said last offseason, hey, we want to get more at-bats for Andrew Kisner. Andrew Kisner has 90 at-bats. That's not enough. 90 at-bats through 90 games, more than 90 games, that's not enough. So Yachty's not playing forever. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go out and sign Robinson Chirinos next year? Or are you going to find out about your kids? Come on, give me a break. It's funny how... The evaluation year, we really want to take time to evaluate what we had. Seems to apply to everyone but Andrew Kisner. Right. And that's because of Yachty running the organization. From the 217, Yachty needs to sit. Andrew Kisner needs to play. Yachty cannot let that ball go by. In all caps, it absolutely cannot happen. Devastating. Yep. Cost you a game. And, and hey, if, if I was put in charge, by the way, of an organization... If, if, if I was, if I could do whatever I wanted, I would. This isn't Yachty's fault. Yachty has been enabled for years by this organization. So it's not Yachty's fault at all that he can say, I'm going to play and then plays. It's not his fault. No, it's not. Because that's the norm, right? It's absolutely yeah. the norm. Um, from the 618, I just started listening to you guys. Had some stuff to do this morning. But have you talked about how bad Yachty has been? We're doing it right now, 618. Doing it right now. Yeah. It's it, it has been a struggle for him. And as you get older, you get more injuries. And again, he 
I'm sure like every athlete, he feels like, okay, this foot isn't causing me to perform any worse than I ordinarily would. But he's not the guy that is watching it. He's doing it. And again, last night was a confluence of things. And if it was just that ball that got past Yachty and the Cardinals ended up winning the game, if that was just one instance in a game last night, we wouldn't be talking about it. But right. that was kind of the moment where everything started to unravel. Yeah. We've talked about Paul DeYoung. We've we've talked about we've talked about a lot today. There was a lot that went mm-hmm. wrong. So I don't want to just make it seem like we're isolating one person or one instance. Coming up, why are you not going to Cardinal Games? We've gotten a lot of feedback on that as well. And that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 839. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's have a little bit of fun today. I know we're in our feelings. I know that we're venting. I know we're frustrated that the Cardinals lost to the Cubs last night in terrible fashion. But you know what? Let's lighten it up at least for a little bit and have some fun with the fight. Dustin is going to be Randy's competition today. What's up, Dustin? How's your morning so far? Oh, it's a glorious morning, Michelle. It is. I'm glad at least someone in St. Louis is having a glorious morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it was an interesting night. Oh, did you watch the Cardinals game, Dustin? Uh, I, I did. I did. Well, here's your platform. Tell us how what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Well, you know, um, it, it's it's bittersweet, you know, because you see a team that they're starting to tear apart, and, and you, you know which direction it's going, but it's always, it's always fun to get a win against the uh, big rival. That's right. All right, Dustin. Well, good luck to you today in the fight, all right? Thank you. Question number one for you. Happy 72nd birthday to former Cardinals pitcher and TV analyst Al Roboski. Which year did the Mad Hungarian earn the title of National League Saves Leader? Is it 1974, 1975, or 1976? Um, 1975. The NHL expansion draft is tonight, and the Seattle Kraken will have an opportunity to select one player from each NHL team that is not on their protected list. What was the name of Seattle's original hockey team that played in the Pacific Coast Hockey Association? Was it the Pilots, the Metropolitans, or the Dragons? Oh. Uh, let's go with the uh, Pilots. Question number three for you, Dustin. It was announced yesterday that Rams running back Cam Akers has a, a torn Achilles tendon, ending his 2021 season before it's even begun. Which ACC school did the Rams draft Akers out of in the second round of the 2020 NFL draft? Is it Clemson, Florida State, or UCF? UCF. And from 1999 to 2011, what U.S. city had three professional sports teams named for birds? Was it Baltimore, Atlanta, or Toronto? Atlanta. Okay, we're checking our score here. 
I don't know where Randy is. Usually he's right out there in the hallway, but he's not there. Dustin, where are you calling from today? Uh, from over here in 618. Oh, 618-er. I'm from the 618. Where in the 618? Uh, Centralia, Illinois. Oh, shout out to Centralia. Appreciate that. Okay, where's Randy? Here he is. He's coming in right now. Commiserating. <laughs> You're commiserating in the hallway. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure everybody wants to talk to you today. Bend your <laughs> ear. All right, Randy, say what's up to Dustin. Dustin, how you doing? Great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Absolutely. Thank you, Randy. All right, Mr. Carricker. Yes. Question number one. Happy 72nd birthday to former Cardinals pitcher and TV analyst Al Roboski. Which year did the Mad Hungarian earn the title of National League Saves Leader? I believe that was 1975. And we had Hawi Love Horoboski Day <laughs> because uh, Tommy Lasorda left him off the NL All-Star team. And the Dodgers were in town right before the break, so there were tons of banners. It was Hawi Love Horoboski Banner Day, so everybody had H-W-E. H-L-O-V-E, Roski, banners all over the stadium. That's cool. awesome. Very clever, too. 22 saves, right? Yes, I can confirm. <laughs> the NHL expansion draft is tonight, and the Seattle Kraken will have an opportunity to select, to select one player from each NHL team that is not on the protected list. Mm-hmm. What was the name of Seattle's original hockey team that played in the Pacific Coast Hockey Association? I believe they were the Seattle Metropolitans that had uh, black and white striped sweaters. It was announced yesterday that Rams running back Cam Akers tore his Achilles tendon. Thoughts and prayers. People on Twitter upset that I said thoughts and prayers, by the way. But you were saying thoughts and prayers. I know I did. T's and B's to Cam Akers. And thanks to all our Rams fans that are listening. (laughs) There are a lot of them, apparently. That listen? (laughs) Yeah. Appreciate you listening. Are they in St. Louis, I wonder? There's one that I blocked because if he had, he's head of the St. Louis Rams or, yeah, some St. Louis Rams fan club or something. Rams fans in St. Louis club. I said, if you have that little respect for yourself, I don't want to even have you read my stuff on Twitter. I see the only member. I don't know. Might be. Yeah, if you met someone and you were just casually chatting with them and they said, I've lived, a born and raised in St. Louis, lived here all my life, and I still cheer for the Rams. Doesn't that make you question them? It sure does. I'm just wondering. Yeah. I'm, but cheer for who you want, people. Yeah. Don't let, don't. And thoughts and prayers to Cam. Thanks for listening, Cam Akers. Which ACC school did the Rams draft Akers out of in the second round of the 2020 NFL draft? I don't believe Cam was, I think he might have been a Florida State Seminole. I was going to say, I don't think he went to Clemson. Those are the only two ACC schools. <laughs> Those are the only two? Well, Miami sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> From 1999 to 2011, what U.S. city had three professional sports teams named for birds? 99 to 11 U.S. teams. Okay. This is good. So the... the it's 99, 2000, 2001, or two, 2001 through 11, right? Okay. Um, okay, all professional sports teams. Okay, and we're in the United States. So we've got St. Louis. Well, why don't I just do this in the because we've got to get to Ueno. Well, you know, uh, I'll do the lifeline. Okay. Baltimore, Atlanta, Toronto. Well, Toronto is a U.S. team, so that's that narrows it down. Thrashers in Atlanta, Hawks in Atlanta. And they have the Dream, and they have the Braves, and they have the Falcons. Atlanta. Emily, ring that bell. 
Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Sorry to Dustin, my pal from the 618, but Randy was on fire today. I think he was fired up, and it translated to his performance in the fight. As you heard Jack Buck's voice there, Randy got all four correct. Dustin, you got two correct. Very good job. So the mad Hungarian, Hal Roboski, who we love Roboski, mm-hmm. earned the title of National League Saves Leader in 1975, as Randy mentioned. 22 saves, 22 saves. Um, the name of Seattle's original hockey team that played in the Pacific Coast Hockey Association was the Metropolitans. The Rams drafted Cam Akers out of the second round in the 2020 draft out of Florida State. He was 52nd overall. And from 99 to 2011, the U.S. city that had three professional sports teams named for birds was Atlanta, the Falcons, the Hawks, and the Thrashers. Dustin, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Dustin. Have a great day. And we we got to tell you this. We need to preface this. We spoke to Adam Wainwright yesterday before the loss. So you aren't going to hear about last night's loss when we talk to Adam Wainwright on Wednesdays with Wayno. Because he's pitching today. Right. And he, he doesn't want to record on a day that he pitches, which is fine with us. Hey, we respect it. He needs to get in the zone, get right. a win. So it'll be a much more sunshine lollipops <laughs> interview than it would have been with Wayno. Yeah, the tone is decidedly different yeah. when we taped yesterday. Then we're talking today. Yeah. He's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it is time for Wednesdays with Wayno, brought to you by Chick fil A. And our friend Adam Wainwright joins us. As he always does on Wednesday on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Adam, it's great to have you with us. We missed you last week. How was the uh, how was your All-Star break? Uh, it was awesome. I had a couple of days to spend with just my wife uh, in Chicago. We went out and hit a couple of really good restaurants, had a, had a great time. Then we came home, spent the last two days with my, my little kids. My big kids are at, at camp, Camp Canacuck, having a good time. And so... Uh, it was interesting. It was fun time to just have the little ones that don't get a whole lot of just them time. So it was good. It was good time for them. Good time for us. When you were a kid, did you go to camp, and how did you like it? If you did, I went uh, to lots of sports camps. I went to. I only went to one out of town, like in the mountains camp up in North Carolina one time, and it was it was awesome. I had a great time. You know, you just like where I live. In Georgia, you can swim in the lakes, but you kind of always have this thought in your mind that there might be a 12-foot alligator in here. Who knows? <laughs> you know, it's, so it's kind of your parents aren't real keen on the idea of it, you know. Um, but up there, they're crystal clear water. The only thing is the water's freezing. Like the first time I ever went down a rock slide. You ever see one of these things? They're natural, like. Over thousands of years, the water's been traveling down this this rock face, and it's just as slippery as can be. And so people pull off on the side of the road and go down these rock slides. Have you seen those before? I, I have. I walked up one in Jamaica one time. It was really slippery. Wow. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's poor planning, Randy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> so when I went down this thing, probably the water's a little different in Jamaica, but when I went down this thing in North Carolina, you know, there's people there just going in and out like it was no big deal. Well, they must have been polar bears because when I <laughs> slid down this rock into the water, it was an absolute panic attack. It was like the water's like 48 degrees or something like that, which is, I mean, you know, that's like colder than a cold tub. That's freezing, man. So, uh yeah, it was a shock for me, but it, it was fun to get out there and and swim in the lake and and uh, canoe and raft and all that kind of stuff. I had a great time. That sounds awesome. Well, Adam, the last time we spoke to you, we asked you what to expect out of the Cardinals in the second half, and you said a team that's going to come out hungry and ready to win. And so far, we're seeing that. Even before the break, it seemed like there was a different energy around the team when you win the series versus the Giants, split with the Cubs, and then come out in the second half, do the same thing, win the series versus the Giants. We're taping this on Tuesday. You take the game last night versus the Cubs. What's different about this team as opposed to what we saw in June? Well, I mean, I think you're seeing what one main thing is that Goldie has been crushing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's certain parts of your team, the superstars of your team, when they're superstars, your team is just better. I mean, that's just that's just the plain and short of it. I mean, you know, he was not too long ago, Goldie was hitting like 239, 240, 242. You know, and every now and then would pop one, but he's up to 275 with 15 or 16 homers and you know, 55 RBIs or something like that. Now, and all of a sudden, you know, we, our whole team's kind of looking up like, oh, there goes Goldie. Here he goes. And and we haven't seen him and Nolan really tag team yet like they can, like they're going to. Uh, but that's one that's one big thing. But the other thing, we've been pitching better. Um, we've certainly been pitching better. Our uh, I think Wade LeBlanc came in and was a real calming presence to our, to our rotation. Saw what Woodford did. Was really solid, good work, no walks, six strikeouts, quality work, just against a, a very dangerous lineup. He went out there and and just did things that didn't didn't look like a rookie at all to me. He, he was in control of his game, he was in control of the count, kept the ball down, moved the ball up when he wanted to. Very impressive. So we've had a couple of guys come onto the scene and pitched well that have helped us a lot. We played some really good defense. And uh, we had a few timely hits. We still haven't scored like we're going to score. I really believe we're going to score better. But uh, those timely hits are, are key, and we've been doing that a little bit lately. The Giants are a tough team. You know, they got the best re- record in baseball for a reason. They're, they're very deep from top to bottom. They pitch really, really well. That was two great series that we won against them. So we showed that we can be a good team like that. Adam Wainwright with us with Carriker and Smallman. And Adam, we have Greg Amzinger from MLB Network on the show every Thursday morning. And he was telling us last week that Nolan Arenado came up to him on the purple carpet in Denver and uh, whispered in his ear, we're going to play in the wild card game. And you veterans, you know what's going on. When you talk about that with us, when when Nolan talks about it, when Goldie talks about it, that's not wishful thinking, is it? You guys kind of have a pretty good idea of how good you are. Absolutely. And there's a there's a feeling, you know, there's a, it's sometimes hard to know when you're outside the clubhouse, but it's, there's a feeling inside of there that you feel like, all right, we have a good team. We have a we have a couple of guys on this team that not many people can say they have in the middle of their lineup. We have a, a couple of very, very, very good pitchers about to come off the DL. You know, there's a sense of excitement. You can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? We played just we played pretty good ball early 
part, like played very average early. Then we played pretty good ball for about a month in, in uh, May. Then we had a really bad June. But for May, at the end of May or the beginning of May or middle of May, whatever it was in May, we had the best record in baseball. That was us. You know, that that's, a, that's not a fluke. That's, that's what we're capable of, and that's what we need to get back to. So, you know, we had a bad month, month plus for sure. I mean, no one's denying that. We know we did not play to, to the level that we're capable of playing, but we also know that that's behind us and we're moving forward, and we kind of have this excitement level that we didn't have for a while ago. So, Adam, I am watching the broadcast last night on ESPN, and Tim Kirkchin is talking about how he was having a conversation with Harrison Bader, and he asked him, who has the most swag on the team? And he said that Harrison Bader said that he did, that he had the best swag and the best hair. And then Tim Kirkchin also revealed that you said Harrison Bader is the type of guy that wears an $800 shirt that doesn't match, that none of his clothes match. So I wanted to give you the open floor there to comment on his saying that he has the most swag and ask you who has the most swag on the team in your opinion okay so most swag and best swag completely different <laughs> okay most, most swag for sure harrison bader no doubt about it you know but he's gonna he's gonna wear some things sometimes that uh i would walk by and my i would never you know it would never even be a consideration like, uh, you know, he, he's the one that buys the, the shoes that are, that are supposed to look dirty, that are real new, that are, but they're supposed to look like they just got out of a dumpster. And he's the one that has, like, the weird bikey boots that look like, uh, like maybe Albus Dumbledore might wear. Uh, and he's got always got some kind of, like, weird, like, gym shorts things, but they're, like, really fancy gym shorts, apparently, that that don't match whatever weird, really, like, holy shirt that looks like it came out of a dumpster that's really expensive and supposed to be, like, really not. His swag is just so different from my swag, right? Like, his, he's got that, like, that, uh, like, really trendy New York kind of swag. I've got the, like, zero swag going, so it's, it's hard for me to be. I'm kind of biased, but the guy who, in my opinion, has the sneakiest good swag on the team is Andrew Miller. He's always got some kind of some kind of outfit on him, like straight out of the that 70s show. Like he's like he's got like the Ray Bans and he's got the heavy arm walk, deep shouldered, lean and like you know, he he's got like the the sneaky like leather jacket that you're like, dude, that's like the fourth different leather jacket I've seen you wear. He's like got the the, the acid wash blue jean jacket. He's just got all this like all this stuff that like retro stuff. I, I'm like, look at you, dude. That is that is cool right there. Like I would never <laughs> wear that, but that's cool. I love that, Adam. What would it take to get you to wear a Harrison Bader type outfit? Because that's something that I would like to see. Just really shock everybody, and you come out in an outfit that maybe has some competing patterns, shoes that look a little dirty. What would it take for you to try something like that? Yeah, we already have a we already have an agreement. If we win the World Series this year, he gets to dress me for the parade. Oh, <laughs> I love that. So I will. Uh, one of the highlights of our life. I will be wearing one of the most ridiculous outfits <laughs> ever, most likely. <laughs> we we can't wait. But to he does have good hair now. He's got he's got great hair, and he's a and he's a wonderful person. He really is a great guy. He just dresses. I mean, just like 
you know, the opposite end of the spectrum of anything that I would even consider ever, 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 ever. Now, ever. you are a great pregame dugout dancer. Is there anybody that can match you in that regard, in, in, in regards to the, the pregame dugout dance? Um, I mean, usually some of our Latinos, they, you know, they get those crazy hips going. They can, they can move it pretty good. Um, oh, Cafe. Cafe was pretty good at it. Um, Jake Westbrook was always my partner in crime with that. Him and, him and Shane Robinson. Because Shane's an excellent dancer. Like, Shane can cut a rug like crazy uh, in general. But right now, you know, I, I got a couple of guys in that can, that can move it pretty good. Jack Flaherty, a, he, he and I got a little thing going. Me and Miles Michaels have a pretty funny pregame handshake little dance thing going on. So there's a couple guys in there keeping it loose for sure. Adam, speaking of Jack Flaherty, another thing that Nolan Arenado revealed when he was on the purple carpet is that he used to be the clubhouse DJ and now Jack Flaherty has taken over the designation of clubhouse DJ. How do you guys determine who gets to be on the ones and twos in the clubhouse? Well, Nolan's interesting because sometimes he is still the DJ, but he'll he'll come in and put something on the on the on the on the stereo or whatever, and then he'll put headphones on and walk out of the room. <laughs> so it's like, all right, did you not want to listen to what you put on, or is that just like you're trying to? I don't know what he's trying to do, create a vibe or something. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, the music selection in the clubhouse sometimes is like Harrison Bader's outfits for me. Like it's just a little bit on the other end of the spectrum of what I would normally listen to. But you know, we got to keep the boys loose to whatever they want. Adam, last time we talked to you, we were getting ready for your trivia night that took place when you guys were in Chicago. How did that go? Oh, it was fun. We had a great time. We did the best we could. You know, we, uh, that's a good question. There were some St. Louis questions on there that I did not know, unfortunately. I've been here a long time. Didn't know. Didn't know when gooey butter cake was invented. But, uh, but we did have a good time. We raised a lot of good money for charity, and, and a lot of good things came out. It seemed like everybody had a fun night. So that, that was the goal. Raise some good money. Everybody have a good time. And, Give away some prizes. That was the goal, and that I think we did a good job. I'm going to guess 2004 World's Fair. I don't know the gooey butter cake answer, but I'm going to go with that. Is that correct? I believe that's right. Yep. See, I, the, I can get things now and then. The World's Fair gooey butter cake. I know that the uh, ice cream cone, the waffle cone, right, was invented at the World's Fair. Isn't that true? Yeah. So there you go. World's Fair producing a lot of a lot great of things. Lot at the World's Fair. <laughs> yeah, they did, they did a lot of stuff. Okay, Adam, I had one more thing from you that we had heard from someone else that I wanted to get your reaction to. So we had Walt Jockety, former Cardinals and Reds GM, on our station recently. They were on BK, He was on BK and Ferrario, and he was talking about the deal he made to bring you to St. Louis. And for those who don't remember, back in 2003, it was J.D., Drew, and Eli Marrero to the Braves in return. Uh, the Cardinals was received Adam Wainwright, you, Jason Marquis, and Ray King. And he was talking about how badly he wanted to get that deal done and that if you weren't in the deal, he wasn't going to make it. Have you ever talked to him about that? Did you know how important it was for Walt Jackety to bring you to St. Louis? I have talked to him about it. That was one of the, the all-time great moments of my life. Um, looking back on it, you know, just understanding how, especially didn't believe in me anymore. And, and uh, it was good to, 
was good to get into a situation where people were excited to have me be a part of it. I was able to have a fresh start, do some new things, you know, change some of the things I was doing, how I was doing them, and uh, study under a couple of really pros, pros uh, that were at the big league level at the time. Learned pitching from a, a great guy, Dave Duncan, and and uh, other other teammates, and it was just a great time for me. But yeah, talking to Walt about that, that makes you feel really special, right? I mean, you know, you right when I thought, well, gosh, I don't, you know, I'm not really feeling the love anymore, rightfully so, from the Braves. A team swoops in and says, dude, you are the guy. You are the the centerpiece for us because we're trading a all-star and all-star type uh, outfielder to a contending club, we need something great in return, and that was you. That was what Wallace told me, and that's a, uh, that makes you feel real fired up about going to a new environment. So uh, just I'm blessed and, and praise that every minute I've got to have here in St. Louis, and thank, thank Walt for getting me over here. And, Adam, I think the first time I met you was in that first spring of 2004. Did you wear number 67 in your first spring with the Cardinals? No, I wore number 74. 74, okay. Uh, 74, yeah, or 70 or 74. I think it was 74 and then 70. Uh, it might have been even. 74 and then 60 and then and then changed to 50 the next year. I, I, my number changed to 50. I was, uh, I was at the Thirsty Turtle down in Jupiter has my all-time favorite wings. And I went in there for the first time, and I saw uh, Walshy and Rip Rowan and Ernie Moore, our three clubhouse attendants in there. And, and I said, is there any way that I can get less than 60? And they said, well, Julian Tavares just left. Would you like number 50? And I said, I'll take it. And I've been 50 ever since, ever wow. since the Thirsty Turtle. Since the Thirsty Turtle, and now there's an Adam Wainwright logo with number 50. There's a new Wayno hat, and you can get it, by the way, by going to bigleagueimpact.org. I saw it on Instagram, and it looks fantastic. And there's the the Wayno logo in the front, and on the side, there's you with your uh, arms in the air and number 50. It's a really cool cap. It is pretty neat. I mean, our team... They don't sometimes they don't even tell me about doing stuff like that because I'm always kind of leery of putting my face or my name or all that stuff. I'm like people aren't gonna want that, and they just kind of I think they have a better pulse for for what people want and and all that than I do. It's uh, it is a good looking hat. If it didn't have my own name on it, I would probably wear it. You know, I mean, I, I just can't <laughs> I can't walk around. I, that'd be like the ultimate kangaroo court fine if you walked around in your own shirt and your own hat all the time. So, uh, but it is good. It, it's and it's. And every, all the proceeds of that go to Big League Impact so that we can help uh, help serve other people in the community, too. Oh, also, I don't know if you're going to talk about this or not, but fantasy football registration is now open if you want to join us this year for our fantasy football leagues at Big League Impact. This year we're going to do it at, at uh, or we're going to we're going to have a, a, a big night at Bush Stadium, but we're going to have remote drafts again. But we're going to play fantasy football together with a, with a couple of uh, Big League athletes. We'd love to have people join in. They can do that on bigleagueimpact.org. That's great, and I know that's one of your favorite things in the world. And fantasy football now, it's you have to pay attention to play, but fantasy football is actually pretty easy. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about guys calling you up and trying to get in and get their lineups in. If you pay attention, getting your lineups in and playing is pretty easy. Oh, yeah, and and people are paying attention. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're just uh, – 
they just know that their commissioner is going to get on there and put it on there for them if they don't, you know, which is uh, my fault. I've spoiled these guys. But it is. I mean, you know, like we learned this morning, Cam Akers running back for the Rams tore his, uh, tore his Achilles in practice yesterday. So that's a big that's a big jump. You know, that's a big loss for the Rams. Uh, that's a big loss for fantasy football players. And, and now you got to start, you know, design your team differently and all that. But during a season, you're watching – People watch football, you know, they're just so in tune to everything that's going on. Uh, it's not hard to – usually you're going to have almost your whole lineup in there every week. Nothing's going to be any different. So it's not that hard, no, not at all. Hey, hey Adam, I want to go back to caps for a second, leaving obviously your baseball caps out of it. How big is your cap collection, and what's the number one cap in the Adam Wainwright rotation that you wear on a regular basis, like when you're out working in the garden or fishing or golfing or whatever? Well, if you looked at my hat collection, you would see, well, there's two different piles, right? There's a there's a golf hat pile that I get one from most of the really nice courses we play at. I've, I've got a few from those. But then there's the camo hat pile. And I've probably got about 150 different camo hats. Uh, that people just, you know, they give me, they send me, they see me wear a camo hat. Hey, check this one out. Here's the new camo hat. So, you know, I'm constantly giving out camo hats left and right. Um, But the one I wear every day, it kind of looks like a – you wouldn't even know it really if you looked at it. It's 2530. It says 2535. It's got a cross down the middle of it. And 2535 is the name of my wife and us, like family foundation, kind of where we give a lot of our giving out of and stuff. Uh, and it's uh, it's it's based on Matthew twenty five thirty five. It says, "When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited me." And and the reason for all of that is, whatever you've done for the least of those, you've also done for me. That's Jesus speaking. He's saying, if you go out and you feed the hungry, you you give water to the people who don't have clean water. You you give medicine. You go visit people. When you do that for other people, you're doing that for me. That, that, so I take that very seriously. So we named our family foundation because those are the things that really hit home to us anyways. We named it 2535, and uh, that's the hat I wear every day. We will watch that cap closely. Adam, you're the best. Thanks so much. I know you enjoy pitching against the Cubs at Bush Stadium. Have fun pitching against them in this series, and uh, we will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's our friend Adam Wainwright, and again, that interview was recorded yesterday because Adam is pitching today. We want you to know that because it would have been a much more somber conversation, I'm sure, had uh, we done it live this morning. Yeah, I don't think if we would have talked to Wayno live this morning, I would have been asking him, who has the most swag on the team? (laughs) Don't think we would have been going there. (laughs) The NHL expansion draft is tonight. We're going to talk to Mike Kelly of NHL Network about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN in St. Louis, your home of the St. Louis Blues. Tonight, the NHL expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken takes place. And joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is NHL Network hockey analyst Mike Kelly. And you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL. Mike, great to have you with us here in St. Louis this morning. How are you doing? Hey, I appreciate you having me. I'm doing great. I'm excited for tonight. It's uh 
I feel like we're a bit spoiled because we had Vegas a few years ago, but these things don't come around very often in your lifetime. So it's uh, it's going to be fun. And it really is a different animal now. And obviously when you win the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago, like the Blues did, and they, they won in large part because of their depth. And granted, they've lost a lot of players since they won the Stanley Cup, but they're going to lose a pretty good player tonight, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we look. I'm following Twitter. I'm sure, like uh, a lot of people, are just trying to see what the latest reports are. And uh, I believe it was Pierre LeBrun um, at TSN who, who's saying that it doesn't look like Seattle got anywhere with Jaden Schwartz. So um, maybe they take. You know, in my mock draft, I had Seattle taking Tarasenko, and and you can keep him. And he's. We know what he can do. Uh, all your listeners know what he's about, but. Um, you can also look to to move them as well and collect some assets, which I think could probably be the more likelier scenario. Um, the other guy that stands out that I was kind of wavering on also is uh, restricted free agent Vince Dunn, defenseman, a real versatile player, someone who's probably capable of taking on a bigger role with another team, but certainly did well in his role in St. Louis. So the Blues are one of those teams where, yeah, there, there is you know some top top notch players available for Seattle to uh, to look at. Mike, let's stick with Vladimir Tarasenko since he's the marquee name in this conversation. You said that Seattle could select him and then try to flip him for assets. What do you think the value is for Vladimir Tarasenko in the NHL right now? I think it should be high. Like We, we know that he's had the shoulder issues, the surgeries, etc. The uh, reported um, unhappiness, I guess, with, with how it's been handled with the team as well that's led to some friction. But you know, he, he's reporting his side of things uh, is, is reporting that he's ready to go 100%. The doctor that he used says, all good. So if 100% Vladimir Tarasenko is coming back into the NHL, uh, that's a real threat as a goal scorer, obviously. And no matter what the team is, Seattle, uh, otherwise, St. Louis, even whoever it's going to be, he's a guy you can stick on a power play who's got a bomb of a shot. He's what, what people across the league probably might not know or appreciate a lot about him is he is in, consistently one of the top players in the league at generating scoring chances off the rush. And you may not think of Tarasenko as, you know, an elite speed threat in the league, but he's a guy that, uh, you know, thinks the game well enough and can get up the ice plenty fine and creates a lot of opportunities in transition. And the game is trending that way a little bit where you're seeing a lot of counterattack teams and, and teams that can do damage off the rush. And again, because his shot is so good and he's such a gifted goal scorer, if he's coming in on a two on one, that's a, a big threat. So if I'm a team looking um, at Tarasenko, assuming again, he can be a hundred percent, I'm excited about what he can bring to my power play. I'm excited about what he can bring to my transition game uh, as well. Mike Kelly, NHL Network, with us on 101 ESPN. And Mike specializes in analytics. And I was in a conversation with some fans over the weekend who were upset that the Blues protected Ivan Barbashev because they say he's a bad player. And he certainly, I would agree 100%, Mike, he's not an analytics darling. I don't think Pat Maroon is either, by the way. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But would you agree that you still need players like Ivan Barbashev to win Stanley Cups? Yes, um, I think we see that really kind of year over. You don't want to do is overvalue these guys, though, mm-hmm. in the end. And I don't, I don't think St. Louis is doing that. Um, but I think the New York Rangers just did that with Barkley Goudreau. Give him six years, three point, whatever it was, six, 3.8 per year. 
Um, that's what you don't want to do. So you need guys like a Barbashev, you know, penalty killer, depth forward, um, you know, fine defensively um, that can help you do things in the game that, you know, not all star players necessarily do, but eat critical minutes um, and, you know, be an important player for you. You have to have those guys. We've seen teams recently kind of try to build fully skill-based teams. They don't win. And part of that is that the playoffs are such a different animal from the regular season, partially because of the rules and the way that the game is called, which I don't fully agree with. I think it should be more consistent with the regular season. But in an 82-game hockey season, you can't go out and lay your you know, body on the line 100% every night. You'll never make it through. But that's what guys do in the playoffs. So you, you do need those depth guys, um, and they are valuable to a team, maybe more than fans might think, but uh, managers, coaches certainly appreciate those guys a lot. Mike, I know that you did your mock draft on NHL Network, so you've really dug into the options that Seattle has. Who's the number one player out there that's on your big board? Who's the, the guy that you think Seattle absolutely cannot miss on in this draft? Can I give you two? Sure, please do. Can I give you three? Yes. <laughs> Just give, give them to right, me in order. You. One, two, three. All right. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> because there's a few good ones. Look, I, I think number one is the goalie. And, and Chris Dreger in Florida, it sounds like there's something kind of wrapped up already from reports. But um, he was fifth in save percentage this past year. He was 11th in goal saved above expected, which is a, a metric in analytics that um, – factors in shot quality as well, not just the amount of shots that you face. So both were best of any available goalie. I think you, you have to take that guy, and it looks like they will. Um, at forward, Yanni Gord to me is the, the can't-miss guy for a couple of reasons. Number one, center by far is the position of all positions um, in this expansion draft that is the thinnest in terms of talent available. So I think Gord also can step up and be a, a good second-line center. I know he's been a third-line guy in Tampa. But when you look at how they play at even strength, that Gord line kind of was their second line. So that's a, a guy I think they have to take there. And on the back end, I really like Jake Bean out of Carolina. Um, again, third-pairing guy, but a, a guy that I think can, can play on your second pair, handle bigger minutes, um, really good def- this capability in the defensive zone, getting pucks and then getting them out, uh, which is really important, obviously. You don't want to be spending time in your own end. So... Um, those are three guys that I think would be real solid picks. And uh, like I said, if Seattle just picks my team, I think they're in great shape. <laughs> and, and one more thing, Mike, before we let you go, and your team does stack up very well. How do you think what Thank Seattle you. will have available to them? And if they take your team, how will that stack up to the the Vegas Golden Knights of four years ago? I think they're going to be hard-pressed to be as good because I think a lot of teams learned some hard lessons about how to, um, how to come into this process. And, I mean, again, you think back to Florida, they, they went out of their way to protect a player who's not even in the league anymore and gave up Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith to do yeah, that. Right. You're not seeing as much of that. Um, so I think it'll be hard for them to be as good as Vegas. They will be playing in a very weak division. So I think the playoffs are absolutely a possibility. Um, it depends what they do and who they draft. The, the hard thing about doing a mock draft is that you don't know the conversations they've had with restricted and unrestricted free agents. And we're seeing that trickle out now with reports of Adam Larson 
uh, being signed. And Jamie Alexiak out of Dallas, um, great, great defensive defenseman to have. And Dallas and Edmonton didn't have great players to give up. So those are home runs, but it's hard to forecast that in a mock draft. So uh, I don't think they'll be able to position themselves as well as Vegas did quite as well, but I do think that they should be able to threaten for a playoff spot in that division. Mike, great information, great material. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy the draft tonight, and hopefully we'll be able, once we get into free agency, we'll be able to catch up with you again. Hey, it'd be my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Mike. You can follow Mike Kelly on Twitter at MikeKellyNHL, and of course you can watch him on NHL Network, and we have a special tonight for you with the draft, the expansion draft tonight. We've got our NHL expansion draft special at 6 o'clock with... Curbs and Alex Ferrario and Joey and the gang talking some hockey tonight here on 101 ESPN. You're killing me, Smalls. Coming your way next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. By the way, the Giannis closeout performance, the second best in the history of the NBA. Bob Pettit, 1958 St. Louis Hawks, had 50 and 19 rebounds. Giannis had 50 and 14 rebounds. Pettit still stands as the best ever, but Giannis is the best in a long, long time. Well, let's stick there. That's where I wanted to start. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. So Giannis with that unbelievable performance, 50 points, 14 rebounds, five blocks, as he leads the Bucks to a 105-98 victory in Game 6 of the Finals, delivering the Bucks their second championship, their first in 50 years. It was a legendary performance from Giannis. And he signed that five-year Supermax contract extension prior to the season because he said there was a job that needed to be finished. A lot of people wondering if he could have ever gotten it done in Milwaukee. He didn't join a super team. He didn't take the popular route that we see so many NBA stars taking in today's world to get it done. And he talked about that last night. You know, obviously, I wanted I want to get the job done. You know, uh, but that's my stubborn side. Like, it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go, like, I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team and, you know, just do my part and win a championship, still one. But this is the hard way to do it and this is the way. And we did it. We did it. We did it, man. It's the hard way to do it. He's right and he got it done. I'm looking at you, Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah. Big time. Isn't that what he's saying? Yeah, he, he didn't want to put anyone on the spot, but you know exactly who he was thinking of. Right. And it's so cool to have an NBA team from Milwaukee win a championship. And not only did he do it the hard way, but they did it the hard way. They don't have any free agents on that team. Well, Bobby Portis was a free agent, but he was a bench player. But they drafted and developed Giannis. They drafted and developed Chris Middleton. They made the trade for Holiday. Uh, they go out and they get a, a P.J. Tucker. Uh, they, they just did a really good job of building a unit without being able to spend the $130 million that the Lakers spent on LeBron James. There is another way to do it. And this is a message to Memphis with John Morant, to the Pelicans with Zion Williamson, that yes, you can do it in a market our size. If there's injuries in Brooklyn and in LA with star riddled teams, because I do think that that's, I I wanted Milwaukee to succeed. I wanted them to win. I think Giannis is the best superstar going. He is the most normal and humble superstar Mm -hmm. that we've seen in a long time. And I'm so thrilled for him that he earned this last night. But if Brooklyn was healthy, are we having this conversation? 
But when has Kyrie been healthy in the playoffs? When has G, uh, when has James Harden shown up in the playoffs? I just appreciate that they took advantage of this. And it was not yeah. an easy road, don't get me wrong. But I think it's still going to be harder for places like Memphis or oh, like definitely. New Orleans when you do have these super teams that still exist. And if Dame Lillard leaves Portland, he's not going to go to a team that doesn't already have an established star core. He's going to go somewhere because he wants to win. Right. But now with Holiday moving and winning a championship, maybe Lillard goes to a place that needs a shooter like he does, like New Orleans. So rather than it being always L.A. or Golden State or Boston at one point or Miami, maybe those trades to a smaller market will be a little bit more attractive for a player now than they were in the past. One thing I hate, too, in the wake of a championship is always trying to analyze what this means for the losing team. I know that that's part of the game, but I hate that today also is it's not only Giannis talk, it's Chris Paul legacy talk. And mm-hmm. this might have been his only chance to get it done, and it didn't happen. And it's it's fair criticism because of some of his performances that we saw in the finals here. But it's so difficult to boil down a legacy to one finals appearance or a few games. It's it's very difficult to take a step back in the immediacy of a loss and really look at the full body of work and what Chris Paul means to the NBA and everything he's accomplished right. in the NBA and how many teams he's made better during his career. But this is how we operate as sports fans and as sports media. And the legacy talk is boiled down to the fact that he didn't get a ring last night. Right. He is... His eras, Charles Barkley, going so far as to go to the finals with the same franchise and lose. But do you think that this impacts his legacy? If anything, it it impacts it positively, right? Because he went to the finals? He he went to a franchise that hadn't been to the playoffs in 10 years and was the first team ever to go to the finals after missing the playoffs for 10 or more years in a row. So, no, I think this enhances his legacy. And is he has he been the best point guard in the league the last 16 years? Yeah, he has. So mm-hmm. his legacy isn't tarnished in my mind at all. Mine and, and by the way, and I know that, again, we have a lot of recency bias, but I hear on the mothership people complaining that maybe too young to see, too young to know. Michael Jordan had bad games in the finals, too. What? Randy, yep, no, stop it. He did. Yeah. I can't believe you just said that. It happened. Michael Jordan had bad games in the finals. Whoa. Multiple times, Michelle. No. Yeah. But he's the GOAT, Randy. That can't happen. Yeah, he he is 6-0 in finals. Yeah, that's true. The end result is what we say, well, why didn't he perform well last night? Well, who are the players that perform well every single time they play? I've never seen one. Have you? I haven't either, no. If if we're really going to put someone in that conversation... It's pretty rare that Tom Brady has a bad game. Yeah, but as he said yesterday, went to Chicago and he was known as Sleepy Tom because he <laughs> thought fifth down was fourth. That's true. <laughs> That's true. By the way, again, another example of Tom Brady going to Tampa and just letting it loose, saying whatever yeah, he wants. It's fun. Having fun. You're killing me, Smalls. Finally, Randy, we're running out of town, but I wanted to shout out two people that I met at the Cardinals game last night, listeners of the show. My guys, Angelo and Frank, they live on the hill. I wish I would have gotten your last name, guys. Sorry, but they came up to me. They're huge fans of the station and of the show, so I just want to give them a shout out. Angelo and Frank from the hill. Yeah, it's not like you meet 
a couple of guys named Angelo and Frank from the Hill and have it be unique, right? They, <laughs> they aren't the only Angelo and Frank on the Hill. I know, and I thought that <laughs> because I love the name Angelo, and I was talking with my dad afterwards. I'm like, Angelo is such a strong name. And then afterwards, I wrote it in my phone. I sent myself a little note so that I would remember to shout out Angelo and Frank from the Hill. And then to your exact point, I thought, there's probably a lot of Angelos <laughs> and Franks on the Hill. I should have gotten their last name. So, so sorry, guys, but thanks for saying hi. It was great to meet you last night. And everybody that listens, we appreciate it. And we hope that uh, as the morning went along, that we eased your burden a little bit because last night provided a, a heavy burden on the shoulders of St. Louis Cardinal baseball fans. I'll tell you what, I went to bed angry, which never happens. I woke up furious. Normally I pop out yeah. of bed. I do my gratitude journal, set in a positive intention for the day, drink my water, I'm hydrated, get some coffee in the mix, do my reading for the show. I woke up today furious. No gratitude journal for me. No water even for me. It was straight to the coffee. I am grumpy. Today's a bad day. Let's see if Danny Mac is fired up. Okay, let's find out. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle got the last names that she didn't have. Angelo and Frank Marcolini, my guys from the Hill. Thank you for listening. Marcolini. There you go. There you go. You got to say it with your hands. (laughs) Danny Mac is here. And uh, you're smiling, which I sure. like to see. You're you're okay after New game last today, night. new day today. Yeah, Let's it, go. It, it's baseball, but that was a tough one. I'll tell you that. And you have a, a lot going on in the midst of a broadcast. You're watching the field. You've got your monitor. But man, it was painful to watch the shots of Johan Oviedo as that thing spiraled out of control last night. I was watching it. I was watching him with the naked eye, just kind of peeking down in the dugout. And, you know, we're at the ballpark for home games. So I I can peek down there and take a look at what's happening, obviously. And we had the shots. I thought Tom Mee, our director, did a great job of trying to capture what's a director is supposed to do, which is the emotions of the game on both sides. And obviously with an eye on Midwest to... Uh, catch the emotions of what's happening with the Cardinals. And the emotions certainly were high with Johan Oviedo. Boy, you just wanted that kid to get the win, and you wanted the team to get the win. And I I was trying to think of this, guys. I I can't think of a regular season loss that's been as tough as that one in a long time. I can't remember it. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was a terrible loss. It was brutal. And it's a game you should win because and there was a lot of and I say that because there's a lot of things going in the right direction. You could feel it in the ballpark that the team was was playing good baseball up until that ninth inning. Um, you had just gotten to 500, so now you go a game above 500. You get this kid that's been really in a lot of ways a lifesaver for you, where he shouldn't probably be in the major leagues. He yeah. should be developing in the minors, and now he's 17 games, I believe, without a win. You want to get that off his back. And so there was just so many things. And it's the Cubs, and it's a chance to separate yourself from them again. So all those factors made it a really tough loss, no doubt. Back to Oviedo, what did you th- make of the decision of taking him out when Mike Shelton, the Cardinals, did? Understand it. I, you know, Ricky and I debated it during the break when he took him out. I, you know, I, I, I was under the impression I would have liked to have seen him extended. And I said that in the moment, and I look at it hindsight 2020, you go, well, you know, things worked out to get to the ninth. So I I did, but I totally understand what Mike's trying to do there Mm -hmm. is that his track record has been 80, 85 pitches. um, And all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, 
we got Hap coming up. Hap has had his number. He's like three for four with a home run or two home runs against him in a walk, something like that. So we just want to get this kid a win. We've got a nice lead. I've got my three guys available. So normally when that happens, my big three, I, I feel pretty good about winning. I'm going to take my chances with that. So I understand why he did it. And totally, totally understand yeah. it. Schilt said after the game that Oviedo has a finger issue, too. Yes. Yeah, right. so that's which another, we didn't know about. Right. Yeah. That that was a factor, too. Right. Which I, had, I watched the post game and I had no idea about the finger. So that makes it easier probably to make that decision. Yeah, there is nothing worse. And Tony always talked about this, was the, the, the worst thing for a team is to walk into that clubhouse after losing a game that you led in the ninth inning. And it's especially bad when you lead 6-1 yes. heading into the top of the ninth. But as you mentioned, when you walked in, it, it is a new day. And baseball players are really great at compartmentalizing they are. and moving on to the next day. I, I get asked all the time when we were traveling on the teams, gosh, you know, the team just had a terrible loss. What was the uh, the flight like? And I said, well, it's kind of like when they had a great win. <laughs> the, and, and I yeah. know fans may not want to hear that, but I think for their own mental health, that is the only way you can approach 162 games. As much as, as a fan, and me included, sit there and replay that game, and believe me, I, I guarantee Mike Schilt maybe didn't sleep last night or is replaying a million different scenarios Mm -hmm. and you're mad and you're upset, but you have no other choice, but to say, I I've got to put this behind me and get ready to go tonight. And I know that a fan is like, man, I want my pound of flesh. I'm pissed. I get it. That was a terrible loss, but as a player, they can't. Now I do think it is worth going forward to keep an eye on Alex Reyes. Now this is his first blown save and it, and it wasn't like a unique, uh, it wasn't a, if there's ever a typical blown save, it wasn't an easy one, put it that mm-hmm. way. It was it was a tough one. But this kid has been through a lot to get to this point, and I think he can put it behind him. So, you know, but I, I think that is something to maybe keep an eye on going forward. He threw a lot of pitches last night. Wouldn't expect him to be available today as much as you love to go back to him and let him put it behind him. But players do have the innate ability because I think out of necessity and out of survival to try to put things behind him. And Michelle and I talked about this early in the show. I have to believe that when it's 6-1, he's mentally disengaged. He's not thinking about coming into a game. I think I said that last night, and you're 100% right. Um, whoever said that here, I, I, you get to a point, and I remember doing games with Al all the time. He would talk about this. He'd say a lot of times as a closer, when you have a lead and you're up by five in the ninth, you are mentally like thinking ahead to tomorrow. You're shut down. You're thinking ahead of like, okay, I'm going to grab my shower, getting something to eat, and I'm I'm going to get some rest, and I'm done. And all of a sudden they're saying, hey, fired up. And so I, I'm with you. I think that may have been something with it, but I, I think going forward from the baseball perspective of not even the mental side of things with Alex Reyes, whether he's a closer or a starter, he's going to have to throw more strikes. Yeah. and. And he's gotten away with it because his stuff is that good. It's elite. It's it's ridiculous how good his stuff is to where he's able to pitch out of jams. But he's going to have to be more efficient going forward. That, that's just the way it is. It's a learning process. And speaking of turning the page, it seems like whenever the Cardinals have a game like this or they're in a situation right like this, that Adam Wainwright is the yeah. guy to get the ball next. And Randy and I talked about that. Wainwright's told us about how he'll send a group text and let everybody know, don't worry, I got you. And I have no doubt that the Cardinals are heading to the ballpark today feeling like Wainwright's got us. We're going to turn the page. Well, whether they won or lost last night, Michelle, and I'm with you 100%, um, I can't wait to watch this game. If, if you like pitching and this will be truly if things go to plan pitching not just guys throwing raring back throwing 100 
These are, I mean, Kyle Hendricks' average fastball velocity is about 88. And Wayno's, I think, is like 89, 90. And they pitch and they throw strikes and it's fun to watch. So in terms of being a pure baseball lover of the game and kind of the throwback guys, you, you got them tonight and they're both still really good. So it's an important game. I, I There were so many things happening last night where Chris Bryant goes out and you're going, hmm, yep. yeah. wonder why is he going out? And you, you had uh, the Bader situation we were talking about off the air. Bader is really playing well. You're, you you had the home run hit by Arenado. He needed that. I mean, he's had a lot of things going. Oviedo's going to win his first game, and then you had a crazy ninth inning. It's just... It's Cubs Cardinals, man. That's just the way it goes. It's supposed to crazy game. Yes, it is. <laughs> what do you got coming up? Ed Lynch, former GM of the Cubs. Uh, BK will be in, and we'll, I'm sure, dive into last night. All right. Okay. Looking forward to that, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Sounds good. All right. Great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And uh, Michelle, was this fun? It was <laughs> It was a show. It was, <laughs> it, it was therapeutic. You guys were doing a lot of uh, draft, though. That's NHL right. draft, right? Expansion we did draft. 15 minutes. We we did only 15. I thought we, you had other guests. We that were did on. Cardinal baseball from 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. 9:15. Yeah, because yeah. we had Wayne Wayne right yeah, Otherwise, yeah. it was Cardinals, Cardinals, Cardinals. Okay. And we appreciate the reaction of you this morning because we know it was an emotional night and a lot of uh, people that were tossing and turning and didn't sleep last night. We did a feeling circle, Dan. We let people just air it out. Well, here's what you do: if you're in my position, you just turn off the phone. You don't go to your social media, Smart Twitter move. feed, and look at how bad you are. <laughs> so I just, oh yeah, I'm you, good. When when they're bad, you turn bad, right? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, awful. And one more thing, all of a sudden I just get terrible. But when they win, Dan, yeah, I kind of like Dan, you. We love you. You're, You're the best. best. Yeah. Uh, and, and you you compartmentalize too. But you knew Jack Buck as well as I did, and it was amazing in his seventies how upset he would get after oh, yeah. a bad loss. Really, he never lost that passion or that care for the Cardinals. I will say that uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. I I just said to Ricky, I said I'll see you tomorrow. And I just walked out <laughs> with my bag and got on the elevator and went home. Put your head down. Yeah. Good play. I said, nice job. See you tomorrow. For <laughs> all of it. us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.